Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, update. I've been living in my new home now for a little over a month. I closed on my house about two weeks after the mayor of Atlanta had officially invoked a shelter-in-place ordinance on the city. Though Georgia is one of the first states to, quote-unquote, open back up after the pandemic, I don't know if much has changed. Even during the lockdown, people were acting as if nothing happened. I'd drive to Target and pass by a gas station full of young, vibrant black adults laughing in the parking lot with face masks pulled below their chins. Outdoor basketball courts full of invincible teens hanging on the wire gates waiting for their turn to play next. And apparently, apparently, a liquor store and a clothing boutique in the hood is essential business. Aside from some places being closed and rush hour traffic becoming a thing we faintly remember from February, if you were to drive around Atlanta and compare pre and post lockdown, there'd be a lot of things you'd find to be the same. But last night, I sat on my married friend's back porch give or take six feet. We're smoking a cigar and sipping on some bourbon, trying to make something about all of this feel normal. And as we talked, he asked me, So what does uh, dating look like right now, especially considering everything that's been going on? And well, before I answer that, let's just first address how I've typically dated. For some reason, I've found myself in long-distance situations more than local. Shout out to people who make long-distance work. But let me tell you, it is work all relationships are, right? All, all are. But long-distance has the all the normal relationship problems mixed with a set of geographical problems. So... I've not completely 
100% cross out the idea of long-distance dating. But more and more, I'm just like, fam. This. So, as I was getting to the close of touring at the end of 2019, I'm thinking to myself, yo, just take some time off the road for a bit and give yourself the chance to organically meet and develop relationships with people in general, not simply for the sake of romance, but just the consistency of being in one place for a while can allow for romance to more naturally emerge out of the rhythm and regularity. And that sounded like a fantastic idea until the virus that shall not be named arrived in late March of 2020. Needless to say, I will still say this cliche. Times have changed. A pandemic has obviously changed the way we work, how we get paid or don't get paid, how we invest, the way we parent, how we work out, go to church, go to school, the way we pay attention to the news, IG live streaming around the clock, the way we get our hair cut or lack thereof, or lack thereof, because some of y'all are looking, ooh, look like you out in the wilderness eating locusts. <laughs> the list goes on. Even if the novel virus has not spread to your body, its effects definitely have spread into your life. And that list also has to include the way we find love. family my name is joseph solomon i'm a singer songwriter poet spoken word artist youtuber lifelong student ever curious or doubtful christian frequent flyer currently coronavirus free although i did get sick like two or three weeks ago for like a day so i don't know Welcome to the eighth flight of the Flights and Feelings podcast, season one, where we thoughtfully and vulnerably travel through faith, relationships, sexuality, science, health, and culture via storytelling, poetry, and conversation. This episode is brought to you by my sort of first set of sponsorship. The good people over at the Flights and Feelings Sky Club on Patreon. Yes, we have had a great turnout of, of supporters who want to see things like this continue to be created. Um, not just what's out to the public, but also exclusive content, such as extra podcasts, extra videos, really long Zoom hangouts where you can just ask me whatever questions you want to ask. And it's been going really well now for a little over a month, and I'm so thankful for, 
for everyone who has joined and, and not just joined, but like really like giving this thing a really organic kind of family vibe. It's, it's just turning to something that I didn't imagine it being. And so for everyone else, man, would love to have your support in that way. Uh, you can check it out at patreon.com slash what is Joe doing. And it's just basically a way to financially support artists like myself and give them the space to continue to create things without the, you know, burden of algorithms and and even being on the road and all that kind of stuff. It's just been a really dope thing. And not just even from a financial perspective, but to be able to connect with family out there, Flights and Feelings fans and stuff like that in a way that's a bit more relaxed and not all the the extra stuff, man. I don't know. It's just, it's just different. It's a different vibe. So we'd love to see you there y'all. And for those who have already made their way over there man, your support and encouragement is so, so greatly appreciated. Historically speaking, Many of the Western dating customs that we see as almost eternal and written into the laws of humanity and maybe even into the laws of our faith are actually remnants of a not-so-distant past culture. And many of these customs were strongly shaped by the economic climates they evolved in. We may like to think that a man paying for dates is an eternal law that can even be loosely supported by select scriptures of the Bible. It's just not the case. And I'm not here to debate who or who should not pay for a date. That's not what I'm here for. I'm just saying that this principle, along with others, uh, might be more of a recent economic phenomenon than we'd like to think. Though true and pure love is unchanging, unfailing, and eternal, the way we go about finding it is not. And as the times change, so do our courses that lead to love. word dating in the way that it is used today didn't really come onto the scene until the very late 1800s and the first time we see it in print was in the Chicago, uh, Chicago newspaper column referencing a guy who felt like his love interest was seeing other people and he confronts her by saying I suppose the boy has been filling all my dates For Christians out there who say dating isn't biblical, I agree with you. The idea of modern dating and the word dating itself can't be found anywhere in the Bible. And neither can the phrase social distancing or Instagram or courting for that matter. Though many people have tried to make an argument that there is somehow something more inherently righteous about courting than quote unquote dating. But the reality is, The way we find love 
has always been strongly influenced by the culture of our time, and in many ways, by our economic culture. Moira Vigel says in her book, Labor of Love, The Invention of Dating, that the ways people work have always shaped the ways they date or find love. The word courtship generally means simply to be involved in a romantic relationship with the view to marry. Courtships traditionally included parents or a type of supervision overseeing the whole situation. Before dating was widely accepted in the 20th century in the U.S., a common version of courtship was calling. Yeah, calling. And this was common, very common within middle class homes. A man would go to a young woman's house and ask the parent or servant to see her. And this was either arranged by the parents or even a man just showing up and asking to see her because he was interested. And if she wanted to see him, he was allowed in and they would talk or do some type of activity in the presence of parents or family or whatever. In this chaperone space, there was no financial transaction involved. The cost of doing business was really whatever it might have cost the man to make it over to her house. And this scenario set up, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, made economic sense, especially for middle-class families. And this is not long after the Industrial Revolution. So the Industrial Revolution is when the manufacturing of goods, you know, moved largely away from small shops and homes to big factories in the city. Technology and the economy have always had a very tight relationship. But prior to this time, women and men were relatively equal to the economy because they both split the duties at home. Again, the home was where all manufacturing really happened. But with the the industrial age, men started going into the city to work for wages in the factories. And this is where we see the beginning of the more common visual of the man going off into the city to work and the women, wives and daughters included, staying at home. And at this point, a woman really had no social or economic choice but to literally be pursued from home. But even in this pursuit, the family unit was still very much part of this whole process from the beginning to end. However, close to the turn of the 20th century, a stock market crash set off one of the worst economic crises the United States had ever experienced. So we start seeing women coming into the workforce long before the well-known massive wave of women going into the workforce in the 1960s, thanks to the women's liberation movement close to half of women in America were already looking for work in the city outside of the home 
at the beginning of the 1900s. And this was because of financial necessity, not necessarily because of some feminist movement. So for the working class, the culture of courtship was already beginning to change with women now meeting more men in public on their way to work and at work and on their way home. But they were still earning less than half the money that men were earning. So here's the plot. Women are now meeting new men in public in different and in more frequent ways than before. And the Industrial Revolution not only brings more women into the workforce, but it also brings about what we now know as the city and all the things that a city brings. People are working in the city at factories, so there's more places to go and and to eat and to do whatever, all thanks to this huge wave of, of new industrial technology and a wave of the yeah just everything being industrialized and, and urbanization but these women still don't have enough money to have disposable income you make enough money to help the family that's it you don't have money for entertainment and maybe the man didn't either but he surely had more disposable income than a woman so if we're going to get to know each other in a new post-industrial age. Man, you've got to pay for the date. (laughs) You got the money. So courtship didn't stop being courtship. It just moved from the dining room to the local diner. And ironically, at the onset of dating, a man paying for a date actually wasn't immediately seen as respectful or kind or courteous or that's just what they're supposed to do or whatever, right? Culturally, culturally viewed, women who let men buy them food and drinks in exchange for entertaining them on a date were viewed more as prostitutes, literally, like Women who will be found in these situations will get arrested for this. In this time, buying a woman food and drinks, which she would otherwise have to pay for herself, in exchange for her non-sexual presence, wasn't much different than paying a woman in exchange for her sexual presence. And the remnants of this is still felt today. So many dudes feel like the more they spend on a date, the more they should be entitled to receive from the woman. I mean, isn't that how economics work? Fast forward, and now the search for love has accumulated many significant influencing factors over the decades. And how can you try to lift a template of courting in the dining room and lay it neatly over a woman who only visits their parents' dining room during summer break or Christmas or pandemics? 
the new norm of teens leaving their parents' house strictly at 17, 18 years old to go to college. Women constantly, progressively carving out new spaces of educational success and economic independence. Women went from, I only have enough money to give to my family to support, to help support until I can find a husband to now I'm single, but I just bought my first home at 27 and just closed my first rental property. It's very different. Technology and the economy has influenced the average age of first time marriage. It's, it's crept up. In the normal time that women would usually be at their father's home waiting for suitors to come pursue her, she's now off starting the beginnings of her career. And that, that, that space could take anywhere from two to eight, ten years. Even if you're not into traditionally, you know, clearly defined dating apps and sites, websites like Tinder or whatever websites and apps are out there. I don't know. I don't use them. Even if you're not into those, you can't knock people who use it because essentially everyone Everyone is registered with a dating app. And that dating app name is Instagram and Facebook. First, you engage on Instagram. And if it gets real serious, you you friend them on Facebook. We use apps for a lot of stuff, but I'd guess that like 80% of us have at minimum used it to consider dating someone that we found on there, or at least used it to gather further information about someone we're interested in. 15 years ago, society was still wrestling with whether or not it's safe to meet someone you met through the internet. And we also knew you were never to get into a stranger's car. Now we use Lyft and Uber to literally get in cars with strangers that we met through the internet. Still don't know if it's safe. Fast forward a little bit more. And now in a 2020 pandemic, your only safe option of meeting someone new is Zuckerberg's Internet. Long distance relationships are a thing of the future. Before the common accessibility of planes and cars to the general public and then ultimately you know advances in communications technology proximity was the biggest determining factor for who you were potentially interested in how close are you geographically to someone that's the determining factor not looks not money not charm body religious affiliation, because none of that matters if you can't even know that they exist because there's no network to know of them through. And even if you somehow found out this distant, amazing person existed, existed, it still doesn't matter because you lack the technology and or money to go see them. And even if you could afford to see them, let's say you do have that type of disposable income, which is not a lot of people, 
are you really catching 15-hour train rides every month to keep a relationship going, right? You dated, you courted what was close to you. But now, not only can you learn that someone interesting exists in another state or country or continent, whatever, but you can FaceTime and even possibly afford a flight to see them kind of regularly. But again, a long-distance relationship even now, it's only as emotionally feasible as it is economically and technologically feasible. As much as you're crushing on someone in a different state or providence or country or whatever, the reality is most of us simply cannot financially or emotionally afford to keep a long distance relationship going for a long period of time. Even though uh, year by year, it does become more attainable for people to find love in distant places. So with all these cultural changes, we're still trying to apply cultural norms from the past that don't necessarily have one-to-one matches in the present. And that's always been the case ever since courting left the living room. Throughout the history of dating, the rules and norms have changed so much and so quickly that it seems as if each new generation is trying to refigure out how to do it. Because it never looks exactly what it looked like for their parents or the TV shows they grew up watching. You take dating or courtship out of the very clearly defined and controlled environment of a family field living room. And then you let it roam in the factories and diners and then in cars and theaters and then college campuses and social media apps, it mutates into something almost unrecognizably different. I was watching the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Y'all are probably familiar with it. And Jordan, at the end of his Chicago career, decides to wear a pair of Jordan 1s for his last game in New York, which were the very first pair of shoes he wore in Madison Square Garden. And he mentioned something to the effect of technology has has advanced a lot since these. And he's talking about how much of the comfort of his first signature shoes pale in comparison to the current ones, which were like the 13th edition. The Jordan 13s look and feel completely different. They're both Jordan shoes, but a lot of evolution has happened because of the money that he was bringing in to the company and the technology that was being developed over the course of like 13 or 14 years. So the landscape of technology and economy has changed drastically since the early days of courting and dating. And that can be a little scary, but also, I think, a little reassuring because 
maybe you not knowing exactly how all the ins and outs of dating is supposed to be is actually kind of normal. There's not a snapshot in dating history that we should be aiming to return to. As some people tend to suggest, some of the rhetoric around Christian dating feels like we should be wearing red hats that say, make dating great again. As if there was some shining moment where it was perfect and everyone agreed on what was the best way to go about it. Every generation has tried to figure out how to hold on to traditional values that were passed down to them while still navigating in a brand new space that no one has ever experienced. And we're left thinking that we're somehow failing because it's not looking like it used to. When the reality is, you're not the first group of people that had to refigure out how to date. And this is why I'll probably never read another Christian dating slash relationship book again. Because I've started to see more and more just how rooted the advice is really in like Western cultural norms. And people have just found a way to loosely support with some Bible passages. But they come off as if, you know, they've got the whole shebang figured out. Myself included. I've made some videos years ago that I still I still agree with in some ways. But as time went on, I could really see just how influenced I was by people who developed or just restated their cookie cutter way of finding love and then figured out how to monetize it. And I know that sounds really pessimistic. And I'm I'm sure there's a lot of great advice out there, right? There's a, that's not what I'm saying. I think I think there's a lot of great advice out there. It's not like I'm not willing to hear anything. There's a ton of wisdom that wise, godly people have put out there. But nobody has it all figured out. say something. The last thing I thought would be impossible to find during a pandemic is barbells and dumbbells and weight plates, like, you know, just heavy workout equipment for the house. You can't buy them anywhere. And before y'all give suggestions, I'm, I'm like 90% sure I've already explored whatever suggestion you would give. And I've come up short. I've been, I've been trying and looking in all ways that I can. I had some dumbbells in my Amazon cart a few days ago. And before I could check out, they were gone. It was like I was looking for for Yeezys or something, man. And what sucks is that I picked out the exact weight set that I, I wanted, like back in like February. And I said, oh, I'll just wait to order, you know, later on in the late spring or something in the summer or whatever. I don't know. I still got a gym membership. Now, I can't go to the gym and I can't order the weights. I say all that to say, 
for those of you who got a girlfriend or boyfriend before you knew a pandemic was on the on the come up, you hit the lotto. It's like you just so happened to buy home workout equipment in February on a hunch. It's like you got a liter of hand sanitizer from Costco's just because. Those of y'all with a new relationship, you got your hands on a valuable item before it went completely out of stock. Now the rest of us are just settling online like it's like it's Amazon. Talk about I know I know it's I know it ain't Purell, but it, but it's something. <laughs> or maybe you're not shopping for brand new paper towels. You're just looking around the house for little extra paper towels that you maybe forgot about. Like, I wonder how Bounty is doing. She always knew how to pick me up. Just, I wonder, let's see if I can find her. In a pandemic, even starting a relationship in your own city can have all the symptoms of a long-distance relationship. Most of your time getting to know each other will be spent on video chatting. Only seeing each other in person periodically, rarely, if ever, in a group outing. Trying to build a natural rhythm in getting to know someone can prove to be difficult. Will there be a sort of love recession on the rise? Like, finding love was already complicated. And some people already tapped out of the dating game for a while, long before any of this started. And this just adds another degree of difficulty. Will people focus their attention elsewhere? Like maybe you plan to buy a home this year, but the pandemic financial situation made you say, maybe this is not my year. Maybe, maybe next year. Will the pandemic cause people to say the same thing about love? Maybe this is not my year. And many states and countries are slowly ending their lockdown. But that doesn't mean people won't go back into the public space without hesitation and skepticism. And if it's one thing, the search for love is already filled with an abundance of its hesitation and skepticism. But possibly, possibly there's an opportunity for a love revival. A pandemic has caused a lot of people to take time for introspection and sort of reorienting the way we see life and the fragility and finality of it. Many of the things we found to be so important just Three months ago, they don't glow as brightly on our list of priorities anymore. The things that shouldn't have mattered too much are beginning to matter less. And the things that should have always mattered may finally be getting their chance in the limelight. One of the best and worst things about a long distance relationship is that for the most part, All you have is verbal communication. And that sucks sometimes. I realized how much 
I value just being able to casually interact with someone and learn them through experiencing them in just regular everyday life. With long distance, most of what you learn about someone is verbally shared with you. But that can also be a great thing. Maybe even local daters are having to have way more talking than before and learning their potential partners in a new way without ready-made date ideas like movies and restaurants, wine tasting or whatever, will have to be more creative in the ways we enjoy each other's presence, in the ways that we explore a new person. And that could be a good thing. So for me, how did I answer my friend's question? How is dating going for you? How will dating go for me during and slash post-pandemic? I don't know. It's weird. Maybe, Maybe this is my forced season of singleness. Or maybe it will give way to something organic, even in a lockdown. But either way, Either way, there's no pressure for us now. This this could be like a rough space for people who are trying to find love, but also kind of a cool space because if you find someone, great. And if not, well, at least for now, every time someone asks you, why are you single? You can just say, bruh, it's a freaking pandemic out here. I don't, I don't know if you noticed. that about wraps it up for episode eight of the flights and feelings podcast season one thank y'all for tuning in i know it's been a little minute i've just been trying to navigate this new space for podcasts you know um you know this that i put a lot of thought into writing and editing these podcasts and now that i've sort of got a rhythm on what i want them to look like it is easier and takes a little less time to create a podcast but it still takes time and the reality is you know when you have a stream of income coming in because of traveling and all that or whatever you have you know you have a little leeway to work on your passion babies but when all of that stuff dries up you know you've got to start reorienting what how much time you spend on certain things and so for those of you who are wondering like yo where's the podcast why we haven't seen the podcast so forth like that's the that's the thought process for me. As much as I love the podcast, like I've just been trying to reorient my time, you know, to be best spent on things that I'm still passionate about, but also that will set me up to, you know, got bills, son, just like y'all. And as of right now, as, as, as at the time of recording this podcast, this joint is completely free. Okay. Hours and hours and hours in between, you know, writing them and creating and editing them completely, completely free. And obviously I have no problem creating 
free content. I've been creating free content since 2012. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you still got to find ways to, you know, keep things going financially. So that's where I've kind of been with the podcast. It's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to get to it when I can. Is this going to be an every week thing? I don't know. I would love to kind of get back on a rhythm. Um, even as we kind of, we're now definitely past the halfway point of, you know, season one of flights and feelings. I would like to find a rhythm in that. Um, but at the end of the day that it's just, I've had to reorient my priorities. That's, that's all that is. So, um, for those of y'all who have joined the, joined the flights and fillings sky club on Patreon. Thank y'all so much. Those are the people thank them. If you have not joined the sky club, please join it. Um, if you have not joined it, please at least thank the people who have joined it because that does give me a lot more leeway to create things that I may not necessarily get paid for. But I just wanted to let y'all know where my head has been with this whole podcast thing. It's still my passion, baby. I still want to do it. I enjoyed creating this this podcast episode, and I hope to continue some more. That's where I'm at. I love y'all. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. You could be going anywhere in the world with anybody else, but... You're right here. So thanks for choosing the Flights and Feelings podcast. Remember to always fly home. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.